Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. It's quite possible that you end your life, especially if you go nice fast. If you should repent from abusing substance or alcohol and you get into your car sober, the chances are better that you don't die. Okay, That is one very simple way of explaining that often when we turn our hearts to God in a very practical way, it goes better with you. <laughs> All right, But then other times, you're on the N17, there's nothing wrong with you, someone else who's drunk, drives into you. Who can explain that? And this is the kind of field I'm walking on tonight. What if you are on the way, on the path? What if you just made that decision that was so costly to follow God and it feels like after that, all hell breaks loose? Who's experienced that? I just made the right decision. And then it's like, man, I want to tell you, you are normal. But how do you handle that? When Satan attacks the strong, specifically, I want to go to, what if he attacks the person that is doing the right thing? What is his plans? What is his tactics? And what can such a person do? Are you with me? You know, in, in, in the cliches in movies back then is, you know, you just hang a cross over your bed, your pillow, and then no evil can come in. You know, in, in African traditional religion, if you always obeyed the chief and you lived in harmony with your community, you will not experience calamity. That's why it's such a shame in some traditional communities when a child gets born with a disability because it shows that you are doing stuff wrong. And so sometimes they would get rid of a kid. Okay? And so the worldview of suffering has been modeled and we need to get to Scripture. And what Scripture says is there's times when you will experience difficulty when you are doing the right thing. So what do you do? That's where we're heading tonight. Are you with me? Take your own show and say, pizza, yes. I hope I get through this. Let's go together. I'm reading from Isaiah 36, which is going to be our main section. Isaiah 36 is essentially the same scripture as 2 Kings 19. It is the same words. It's the same situation different timelines, and it is just incredible how in sync these two pieces are um, almost sharing the same story through different writers. In the 14th year of King Hezekiah, he's the man we're going to talk about. He is the strong one in the Lord. I don't know, you know, why I always get these names that I must try and pronounce We've compiled five of them. Hanu's son one day will be called Senacherib. <laughs> is, is that for a start? It's the first name. Okay. We'll ask the people at Home Affairs, can we take two pages and just... <laughs> In the 14th year of King Hezekiah, Senacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities in Judah and took them. And the king of Assyria sent the Rab Shekai from Lachish. Now, that term, the Rab Shekai, means the king's highest servant. 
the highest representative of the king that's not the king himself. That's him. Uh, you could say the position that Joseph was in when he was feeding the Lord. So this man from Lachish comes to the place or the kingdom of King Hezekiah at Jerusalem with a great army. And he stood by the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field. And there came out to him. Now, okay, so that's, that's the man from Assyria. And now there's three people that meets him there. Who's seen Braveheart? So the two armies standing like this, I don't know, they're doing signs and stuff to one another. And then there's a, a little bit of elders from the one side and from the other side. And then they like get down their horses. And they're like, yo, we're going to beat you. You better surrender. They have their chats. And then if there's no agreement, they go back and say, there's no tight. No, honey. Dance. So this is what's happening here. You've got a little bit of a, a group of people from the one side and from the other side. The one was over the household, and the one was the secretary, and the one was the recorder, because obviously he needs to take back to the king what's being said. And the Rab Sheke said to them, Say to Hezekiah, give him the message. This says the great king, the king of Assyria, on what do you rest this trust of yours? Okay, so the pot is starting to boil. Now, quickly, who is Hezekiah? Let's get a little bit of context before we get into it. I'm jumping to 2 Kings 18, just to tell you who this king is, so that you know who is the man where this king or this group of people from Assyria arrives to. Who's the man behind the front door? King Hezekiah. Listen up. In the third year of Hosea, king of Elah, King of Israel, Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to, run, began to reign. Sorry. He was 25 years old when he began to reign. Now, you need to remember, this is in the times of the kings. So the times of the kings is an up and down time. You get a great king, you get a bad king. You get a great king, you get a bad king. It's in the times of the kings where you had great wars. That's where you had Jezebel. She was the wife of one of the kings, and you've got Elijah coming. Guys, you must follow God. Then Jezebel says, now I'm going to kill you, and then he'll, he kills the prophets of Baal. It's a time of war, and it's especially a time where we notice how quickly God's people fall away from him. And in this time of extreme up and downs, we get King Hezekiah. His mother's name was Abby, the daughter of Zechariah. And very important, listen up, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that David, his father, had done. Listen up to his CV. He removed the high places and broke the pillars and cut down the Asherah. Those were places of idol worship. He broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made because the people had turned it into an idol. For until those days, the people of Israel had made offerings to it. It was supposed to point to God, so he broke it. He trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that there was, listen up, no one like him amongst all the kings in Judah after him, nor among those before him. That, that's, that, that's, that's praise. He was a good king. For he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept the commandments that the Lord commanded Moses, and the Lord was with him. Check that out. Wherever he went out, he prospered. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and would not serve him. This man rebuilt the temple as well. It's not on there, 
Um, in Chronicles, Chronicles, 1 and 2 Chronicles runs parallel to 1 and 2 Kings. It's the same story, the same Kings from a different perspective. If you're reading in that area of the Bible. He said to the Levites, consecrate yourself, consecrate the house of the Lord, the God of your fathers, and carry out the filth from the holy place. He also established the, the temple. Apart from that, we see this in Proverbs 25. It says, these also are Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied. What do we see? A teachable man. A teachable king. Not scared to take a stance. The moment when he broke down those idols, there might have been a great struggle because some people worshipped there. He said, I would stand for God. He was strong. He took action, but also he was humble. He copied some of the Proverbs of Solomon. Truly a great man, teachable and instructable by others. It must be one of the greatest leaders if they say, there's never been a king like him before or after. Are you with me? And so we're asking the question again, how the enemy attacks the strong. When the enemy attacks the strong. Now he attacks everyone, but let's just make it clear. Sometimes we think, if I do take rid of the idols, if I make sure I worship God, you know, we, we, he sorted out the temple, if I make sure my worship room is a place that's functioning well, surely no difficult times will come my way. The scripture says something different. It says something different. Let me just read these two scriptures before I go on. Paul writes to Timothy. He says, Do not be ashamed of a testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. In Philippians 3, he writes, That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, become like him. So we as God-following people should quickly, quickly lay down our worldly thoughts of trying to measure calamities with sin or trying to get out of difficult times, always sidestep it. Sometimes we have to go through because there is a purpose in it. Amen? If we have sin in our lives, let us quickly repent. Who wants extra punishment on his back? Not me, right? But even as we repent, as we clean out the temple, as we get rid of the idols on the hills and we follow, be sure to know there will be obstruction. But you can be prepared for it. That's why we're doing what we're doing tonight. Now, we're going on. And the Rabshakeh said to them, say to Hezekiah, thus the great king, the king of Assyria, this is what he says, on what do you rest this trust of? He goes on. If you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, this is the man speaking, is it not he whose high places and altars Hezekiah has removed? Check that out. It's an outright lie. What did he remove? The Asherah, the high places of idol worship. Then he says, moreover, is it without the Lord that I have come up against this land to destroy, to destroy it? The Lord said to me, go up against this land to destroy it. This is the enemy coming against God's people. He said, God told me to come here and destroy you. Let it be known. 
that the first thing that you will face as you are growing well, as you are growing healthy, is the fact that the enemy comes and will attempt to attack you with spiritual deception and lies. The very act of faith is sold here as an act of faithlessness. Didn't he destroy the place where you're supposed to worship? No, it's just a lie. And then he says, but God told me to come here. Be very aware that one of the greatest things, one of the greatest challenges to your walk of faith is lies and deception that the enemy comes and brings your way. And how will you fight it if you don't know the word of God? How will you decide which thoughts to cut away and which thoughts to hold on to if you don't have the plumb line of the Spirit warning you, this is wrong, this is right. Where your emotions leads you, there you will go. And you will be easily led astray by voices like this. He attacks the strong of spiritual deception and lies. Now sometimes this does not win the battle, but it gets you to doubt. It gets you to doubt your position in God and what follows might give you the final blow. But if we remain in God, we will not be knocked out. Amen? Let's carry on. Let's carry on. What's going on here? Then the three men of Jerusalem said to this man, listen to this, this request. Please speak to your servants in Aramaic, for we understand it. Do not speak to us in the language of Judah within the hearing of the people who are on the wall. So what's happening? The people are looking and the delegates are standing there and they're having a conversation, this very conversation. They are asking the man from Assyria to please speak to Aramaic because they'd like to maybe come to an agreement to terms without upsetting the people of Israel by hearing the conversation. Because these delegates from Israel could speak in the language of Assyria without the people in Jerusalem understanding. And it is actually quite a civil request because often when people come out to war, they would want to talk and bargain and they could get to a place of, of mutuality and there would be no war. So they're asking for such a conversation for such a moment. Which is odd that they did not work with him better because if you're reading Kings, King Hezekiah sent great gifts to the man of Assyria and he accepted them. Okay. But the rap, Shekai said, has my master sent me to speak these words to your master and to you and not to the men sitting on the wall who are doomed with you to eat their own dung and drink their own urine? This is a Bible. This is an in-your-face challenge outright. There's no hiding. There's no words minced here. We are here to take everything away from you. That's what they're saying. Then he stood and called out in a loud voice in the language of Judah, hear the words of a great king, the king of Assyria. This says the king, do not let Hezekiah deceive you for he will not be able to deliver you. The second thing the enemy will come with is straight out 
disrespect, intimidation. Straight out, head on, head on. If you follow God, you will never marry. Straight up. If you follow God, you will have no friends. If you follow God, if you obey him, if you get baptized, your dad will never speak to you again. Head on. Disrespect, intimidation against the strong. Does he get the weak with that? Yes, but even the strong, even a kingdom such as Hezekiah's that were known as people that knew God and that were strongly established in the faith. Look at the plan of an enemy so that you can see it when it's coming your way. We're going on. Listen to what he says. He says, do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria, make your peace with me, come out to me, then each one of you will eat of his own vine as opposed to eating your own dung and drinking the urine. And each one of his own fig tree and each one of you will drink the water of his own cistern. The third thing is he promises life if you would forsake God. He promises life if you would forsake God or the mission he placed before you right now. He will try anything to prevent you from taking the step of faith because once you start walking, you'll get through the dark shadow, the valley of the shadow very quickly. And he knows it. So he's trying to keep you in side rows, give you side doors to make sure you don't get to that place where you overcome because when you overcome, there's always a great harvest in your own life, harvest of faith, and also in the lives of others. Spiritual deception and lies. Head-on disrespect and intimidation. More lies. He promises life. He would forsake God. So what happens? This is his attack. This is how he attacks the strong in this case. He's got other tactics as well. This is our scripture for tonight. What does Hezekiah do? It's very important because if we look at what he's doing, we see a pattern that we have seen the last few weeks in sermons. Who remembered what Isaiah did in Isaiah 6? Temple were broken, the nation were broken. He walked into the temple. He saw the Lord. What did Stephen do when he was being stoned? He looked up. He saw Jesus. What did John do when he was on the Isle of Patmos in the prison with only rocks? He was in the spirit, okay? Remember the pattern. Now, what did Hezekiah do? 37 verse 1. As soon as King Hezekiah heard it, he tore his clothes, he covered himself with sackcloth, and went into the house of the Lord. We can stop there. Because that will be a great start. And just allow me another rant. That's okay. The junk people talk when they go through a difficult time is what disqualifies them for a breakthrough. Because they will say, when I am at a better place, then I will come to church. Rubbish. The heavens do not understand 
you are making nonsense. You're not even speaking in tongues. It's just rubbish. As he heard it, he tore his clothes and what? Went into the house of the Lord. That's not this building. It's not this building, okay? He went into the place where God and his people meet. In his sackcloth, with his broken heart, he moved in. Why does he go to God? Because God is on the throne. Amen? First thing he does is he flees into the house of God. How do you overcome dark times? How do you resist opposition when you are doing the right thing? You remain in the house of God. House meaning not come to this church. Yes, that as well, because it helps you. Remain in the place of worship. Amen? That doesn't give you the answer straight away. It just puts you on a great place where you can hear and where your faith be stirred. You don't know what's going to happen with everything this other king is saying. You're not sure what the outcome is going to be. You can try your best to guess, but there's one thing you can know. You can know whether you are going to press into the house of God or not. And that is a start. I've said it the last while. I'm going to say it again. Sometimes you just have to go as far as you can see. Like when you're driving in the mist. You can't, you can't see for a kilometer. Other days you can't. You can, but as you drive, you can see further and further. So one thing you can do is you can say, I will not be cut off from the place of worship. He can take everything I have. But this he will not take from me. That is a great start. Let's go on. What else did he do? You guys are going to love this. He sent these men who went out, right, covered with sackcloth to the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos. And Isaiah said to them, say to your master, thus says the Lord, do not be afraid. So on the one side, we've got the king of um, Syria, we're going to make you eat this and drink that. We're going to t- we, there's going to be nothing left. On the other side, he presses into the place of God. And now a word comes from the other side and says, do not be afraid. Can you see that? Do not be afraid because of the words that you've heard, which the young men of the king of Assyria have reviled me. Behold, I will put a spirit in him that he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will make him fall by the sword of his own land. The first thing Isaiah does is he enters the temple when the enemy comes against him. The second thing he does is he sends word to a friend. Go to Isaiah. Tell him what is happening here. Can we have number two on? He alarms a great friend in the faith. Help! I am being attacked. Now, if we go back to the way the world view difficult times, they'd say conceal it lest anyone know that you are going through a bad time because they're going to look down on you because surely it's a shame to go through a bad time. What we see in Scripture, it's a time to call out, not a time to conceal. I've sat and helped 
many people with marriage stuff and sometimes I could not help. But one thing I see is when couples know when to speak earlier, they make it. The chances of them making it is better because they get the word out for help sooner and you only have to deal with a scratch. Okay, not take off a whole limb. All right? So take it into your heart that if you experience that the enemy is coming in your heart or in a practical way, flee to the house of God and alarm a friend. Amen? Get someone to pray with you. You should be set up with people around you because you should be in church where you can experience the love and worship of God. If you have that as well in small group, but more specifically, you're surrounded by that practical help in a small group. Set yourself up to win. Make sense? Let's go on. Hezekiah then received this letter from Isaiah and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord. Can you see? I'm consulting God. I'm with you, God. I'm here. I don't know what to do. After spending time with God, I'm reaching out to Hanu. Hanu, man, pray with me. I'm going for this thing. Hanu maybe tells me what he's, think, what he's thinking. We pray. He goes back to the house of the Lord. Can you see that? He's not letting go. Nothing has changed. The insult's still standing. This man is working in the spirit. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, O Lord of hosts. Oh, let me just start earlier. Um, earlier. Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. Listen up. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. Lord, these people have said this. They're insulting me. I'm in a dark place. Isaiah has given some hope. But here I am because at the end of the day, Isaiah is not my deliverer. Hanu is not my deliverer. No one here can be my deliverer or redeemer. And the same for you. We are brothers. We help one another. We build one another up. But then he goes back. And what does he do? He spread it before the Lord. He says, here it is. My situation. It's almost, you almost get the sense of laying it down and backing off. Because I'm laying it down before the Lord. Here it is, Lord. This is what I'm going to do. I'm giving the situation to you listen up and he prayed to the lord now listen to his prayer and connect it with the season we're in and what we're talking about O lord of hosts god of israel enthroned above the cherub enthroned above the angels you are god you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth can you see him building himself up no solution yet, okay? There, there hasn't come a messenger and said, oh, the king of Assyria said, um, we're scared of you, we're not coming. Nothing like that. He's saying, Lord, you are over the kingdoms. I'm, I'm spreading this out before you. You have made heaven and earth. You are God in heaven. Here am I on earth. The third thing he does he laid it down before the Lord and worshipped. And worshipped. 
before the solution came. How do you go on the attack when the enemy wants to attack you? Look at King Hezekiah in partnership with his friend Desire, taking the battle to Assyria in prayer. We could tie this in with two weeks ago. How do you overcome dark times? That's what Hezekiah did. Listen to the word that we find in that passage. It says, And the surviving remnant of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit up. In the context of that conversation, right in the middle of it, and the surviving remnant of the house of Judah shall take root downward and bear fruit upward. Can I say something that's my heart for this church? I know it's your heart, but let me say it. We should always reach, we should always go on missions. Socially, we're going to put our hand more and more in this town. We're going to do a lot of things for God out there representing Him. But what must never change is that we are called to worship Him. Take root downward. We go deep in worship. We go deep in adoration. When we go deep downward, what is the effect of that? We bear fruit outward. And so here's the thing. Uh, one of, one, I think it's Matthew Henry. He's been dead many years. He said the following. He says, when the enemy comes, is that my uh, Siri? I'm not talking to you. Busy preaching. <laughs> you believe that? <laughs> like, I'm here. <laughs> wow. Off my story here. Oh, the dead theologian said, when the enemy comes to press against you and you are shooting down strong roots of worship and the enemy comes like a cannibal, he's the meat you eat. Because as he comes to take off your flesh and you're pressing into worship, you are totally attacking the kingdom of darkness the eater becomes the meat. That is what happens when you get attacked and you are connected with God. That is verse 31. Nothing has happened yet. There has been a drawing into the temple that's been a connecting with Isaiah. There's been a spreading it before the Lord and there's been worship. You are on the throne above the angels. You made every kingdom, heaven and earth. What then happened? He did everything he could do. I spoke to someone this week, and I said, this, this cup here, this situation in your life, I don't know what's going to happen there. We don't know what's going to happen. This is a question mark. But here is what you can do. You can shoot the root downward. You can commit to come into the temple of God. You can commit to worship. You can get into the words. All those things we can do. What's going to happen on this side, I, I'm not sure. That's in God's hands That's supernatural. In this case, after 
Hezekiah did all he can do. This is what happened. And the angel of the Lord went out. Not Hezekiah, not the messengers. The angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when the people arose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. What do we do when we are pressed with dark times? We position ourselves in the place where God gets worshipped. We worship ourselves. We make our requests known to God. We spread it out before Him. And then we go to sleep. We breathe and we say, surely we are in good hands. And tomorrow morning, when we wake up, God would have moved in the way you want to. I'm not sure. Will it look exactly the way you envisioned? Will it be a direct answer of your prayer? No, God is not your genie. And he's not my genie. But if we bring our hearts to him, he will move on our behalf. Train your worshipful heart to know what he did in the night was right. Sometimes it'll be a direct victory like this. Other times you're going through another season for training and training until the bodies lay there. But surely he is on the throne. Amen.